Hello and welcome to the Good Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Toy Ali, and I'm very excited to share this content with you. So this podcast is all about college teaching and sharing our most effective practices when it comes to teaching our students, engaging our students, and helping our students get the most out of our classrooms. So what you can discover on this podcast will be interviews with other professors about their tried and true teaching practices that they've found to work for their students. So it'll be kind of case study style interviews. Also, you'll learn anecdotes from my own personal experience um, after teaching 10 years in the mathematics classroom as a senior lecturer at the University of Georgia. And I will also be sharing how you can become an independent professor and create your own self-hosted learning experiences to make an additional income beyond your university salary. And so I'm super excited to share that. By the way, this episode is sponsored by my independent professor workshop, and it's a four hour intensive workshop for any professor who is interested in creating their own self-hosted learning experiences. So you'll learn more about that later on in the podcast. So in today's episode, I really wanna talk about active learning because Active learning is the basis of everything that I do in my classroom. Once I learned what active learning was when I was a graduate student, I never looked back and I never wanted to teach with any other type of pedagogy. Okay, which there are multiple different types of learning styles you can do within active learning, but let's just get a definition right out of the way on what active learning is. So to me personally, active learning is anything that you can do in the classroom that gets the students involved and lets the students understand that they are also responsible for their learning. It's not just professor professing and lecturing to the students for the whole 50 minute, 75 minute, two hour class. The students are actually involved, they are talking back to their instructor, they're talking with their peers, they're thinking on their own, and they're just fully taking responsibility for their learning in the classroom. It's more than just lecturing. And I didn't realize that that could exist. So when I was taking classes, when I was in college, when I was in grad school, all of my classes were lecture-based, and it was just the professor teaching at me while I took notes for me to go home, work on homework, and try to interpret what I, what my notes were saying, what my professor wanted me to get out of the class. And that is how I experienced learning my whole life. And I was successful in that, but now that I've learned more about active learning, I could have been more successful if my professors had gotten me more involved in my learning. So when I was a graduate student, I was a graduate teaching assistant. And in my school, excuse me, that meant that I taught, I was the instructor of record for two classes every single semester, and they were not always the same prep. So sometimes I was prepping for two different classes on top of doing my research and writing my dissertation. And because of that experience, I got a lot of time in the classroom. I got a lot of experience teaching. I was able to build up my skills for those three years that I taught as a graduate student. And I even became a graduate student teaching mentor where I actually mentored other graduate students on their teaching. And my students enjoyed my classes. They got a lot out of my classes, but I was just lecturing to them for 
you know, 75 minutes. <laughs> and I did not know that there was another way. I find that in grad school, I think it's getting better now, but we aren't really taught how to teach and what works well in our discipline, what works well in general. So it wasn't until I participated in a program called Building Future Faculty. This is a program at North Carolina State University where I think fourth, fifth year graduate students, PhD students would get to visit NC State and kind of shadow a professor in their field. We got um, like we had like a CV workshop. Someone looked over our CVs um, and I remember someone was looking over my CV because I would be on the job market the next year and they were like, it looks good, but why are you making it look like you taught these classes like you were the instructor of record? You were a TA. You had maybe a recitation. You did like tutoring and things like that. You taught like a lab. I was like, oh no, I was actually the instructor of record um, for that course. And they said, oh, you need to make that very clear because this is not the case for most graduate students. And that's kind of when I learned, oh, all grad, grad programs are actually quite different. And the terms and the words that I was used to saying, like GTA, meant something completely different at a different school, at a different university. So I had to make it very clear that I was the instructor of record for all of these courses that I had taught. And also in that program, I attended a seminar on active learning. And this was the first time I had ever learned about active learning. I had never heard those two words put together ever. As I mentioned, I literally thought that teaching was just standing in front of the classroom, lecturing for 75 minutes or 50 minutes. And when I learned that students' attention span drop dramatically the longer the class goes on, and by the end, they're really not getting anything out of the class, they are off somewhere else. And it's really more helpful to break up the class and have little moments where the students can be more engaged than just listening. And that literally blew my mind. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to start implementing this. But I was just a grad student. I wasn't gonna redesign a course or anything. And so I was like, okay, well, what can I do? What can I try? That semester, I was teaching discrete mathematics. That's like an intro to proofs um, math course. A lot of computer science, a lot of math majors um, take that class. And it's really the first time students go beyond, beyond just computational math and setting up equations, solving for things. They actually have to use their words and write and use logic. Um, in a math class and it can be very very challenging for the students and I would find that they were able to follow along with what I was doing in class but then on their homework or their in-class quizzes they would kind of fall apart and kind of not understand what to do and I realized they needed more support from me when they were working on their own. I was like, okay, what if I tried an active learning activity where I got the students to write a proof on their own. And I was so nervous about how it would go and that my students would hate it, I bribed them. I gave them bonus points for participating. So of course they would participate. So here's the activity that I decided to do in that class. In that classroom, there was quite a bit of board space. So I gave the students, I think, six proofs, um, six theorems that they needed to prove and I put them in groups and I had each group go to the board. 
And so the, each group had their own board and on the board they had to prove each of the six theorems that were on their worksheet for the day. And so they had to work together, kind of critique the proofs as they go. And then when the group was ready, I would walk by, check their proof. If they got it right, wonderful, they got a bonus point. If they got it wrong, they, got, they were able to get a second attempt and they were able to get half credit for getting right on the second attempt. But what I learned, I actually learned a lot from that experience. The students, they, were, they felt so much more confident for the next quiz. They did great on those proofs that they had practiced in class. And they got a lot of value out of speaking the math out loud to each other. And that's when it like really clicked. Like students really need to learn how to use their words to connect them to connect to the math that they were doing. And that became the basis of how I did active learning always. And so from that moment on, I included active learning in every single class that I that I taught. And then later on, when I got my job as a lecturer at the University of Georgia, I saw that there was an initiative happening all around active learning, and there was a summer institute called the Active Learning Summer Institute. And any instructor, any professor in the university could apply. And during that program, we chose a course to redesign, and we had to redesign it in a way that would implement active learning in the classroom. And I chose pre-calculus, the class that I had taught the semester prior, and I decided to completely flip the class, meaning I created video lectures and the students learned the lecture outside of class and inside of class, they were practicing and working where I was right there and able to answer all of their questions whenever they had them. And that became very successful. The math department won an award for how we have redesigned many of our introductory classes. And I'm happy to go through and talk about exactly what I did to redesign the class, what elements um, the class has, what the students are actually doing in the class. I can talk about that in a different episode. What I want to talk about now is like, how do you start implementing active learning? Because it can feel very overwhelming if you think that you have to redesign a class from scratch and do something like very like an intensive overhaul where you have to maybe record lectures, create new worksheets and things like that. That is a lot of work and you do not have to do that to start implementing active learning in your classroom. So as I mentioned, active learning is really anything other than just lecturing at the students for the whole class time. It's anything that's getting the students involved, getting the students to stop and think for themselves, getting the students to talk in their own mind, talk with their classmates, talk with the professor. Anything beyond just a lecture can be classified as active learning. And so I wanna share a few active learning strategies, active learning activities that you can implement right away. Okay, so the first one, and I would say is the easiest and challenging one, is called wait time. So you know when you're teaching and you're lecturing and you just wanna check for understanding and you may something say something like, oh, does that make sense? Of course the students are gonna nod their head and just so you can move on so that they can get out of the class. <laughs> but we really wanna actually see if our students are understanding. So I like to ask different questions. I like to ask things like, so what should we do next? 
why did we multiply here instead of divide? Something that actually requires a response. And so something that I've noticed because I have observed a lot of new college instructors, a lot of graduate student teaching, a lot of postdocs teaching, and a lot of times that silence can be so uncomfortable. So you'll ask your students, what do you think you should do next? We should do next. And you wait and no one says anything. So you say, oh, we need to do this. And you jump in and you answer the question for them. The problem with jumping in and answering the question for our students is we train our students that we're gonna answer the questions for them. And they don't get that practice in class to think for themselves, to see where they're hung up on things. So it can be really hard, but if you can wait at least seven to 10 seconds after asking a question, a student will likely answer it because the time waiting, awaiting can get like very awkward and even more awkward for us. Like seven seconds for us in the front of the classroom can feel like 30 seconds. But for a student who's trying to answer a question about something they've never learned before, seven seconds can feel like two seconds. It's so fast. So giving the students time to process the question, think about what is being asked, and then determine how to answer it themselves can take quite a bit of time and can take longer than expected. So what I like to do is I'll ask the question, what do you think the next step should be here? And then I'll wait and I'll wait and maybe no one answers a question. So then I'll provide an option. I'll say, oh, well, do you think we should divide here or do you think we should multiply? give them kind of a multiple choice question and it gives them something that's easier to answer. And I let my students know on the first day, I'm always looking for answers. They do not have to be correct because there is something in an incorrect answer that we can talk about and really figure out like, oh, well, what's leading to this misconception? And that is something that the students can learn, learn from. Um, so yeah, waiting, wait time. That's the easiest thing you can do if you're just used to lecturing ask them a question and wait for them to answer and actually get your students to answer. So yeah, I, as I was saying, I tell my students on the first day of class, I make sure to ask them questions. And when they don't answer, I say, I'm always looking for answers, correct or incorrect. And they know I will wait until someone says something. And it can be an awkward, long wait the first day, the first couple days, but the students get trained and they realize, oh, well, she's just looking for any answer. Let me just try. And the students get used to answering my questions. Okay, that was the first thing, wait time. Next thing, you can add on to the wait time. Think, pair, share. So sometimes when you ask a question, it can be a little challenging for the students to answer right away. So you can ask your students to take some time to think about the question, maybe go through their notes, go through their reading, and think about what they think the answer should be. And instead of just getting a student to answer right away, after having them process the question and think about their answer, have them pair it with a neighbor and chat about their answers with their neighbor. And then as a group or as a pair, they can choose to answer the class out loud to the whole class. So think, pair, share. So I would say a next level after wait time is as you're waiting, ask the students to do a think, pair, share. And do not expect the students to know what those words mean. You don't have to actually use those words. You can say, all right, take some time to think about your answer. Write down what your answer is. Now, talk with your neighbor. Each of you share your answers. 
and then together come up with one final answer to share with the class. That's the Think Pair Share. Okay, another effective tool is polling the class, checking for understanding, but having them actually answer. And so I don't know if people still use clickers. I haven't used a clicker since I was an undergrad, but if you have a small enough class, you can poll the class with just like a thumbs up or a thumbs down. How is this feeling for you all? Do you feel confident about this topic? Thumbs up or thumbs down? That's an easy way to get them to participate. Or do we need to see another example? Give me a one for one more example or two for two more examples, right? So you can have them raise their hand and that's them re-engaging with the class. Okay, so the next one I really like to do if a class can be pretty challenging or like a specific topic in the class can be challenging is have the students share the muddiest point. So the point that, that's most confusing in the lecture. And so you can get them to share this out loud. You can get them to get in a group and create a list as a group. You can get them to write it on a piece of paper and turn it into you at the end of class. And that way you can start the lecture there. You can provide more examples based on what the students are struggling with. Students really appreciate when you care about what they're struggling with. And once you show the students that they can learn from you and they can trust you to actually learn from, they will participate so much more. All right, the final thing is kind of related. This is a minute paper. So a minute paper is getting the students to kind of summarize for themselves what they have learned in the class. So what you can do is in the class two to three minutes early and say, all right, before you leave, write a summary of what we talked about today and hand it in. And once you hand it in, you're free to go. All right, so hopefully those are some like low stakes way that, ways that you can start implementing active learning in your classroom. And I would love to know if you've done any active learning techniques, if you've done any of the ones that I've mentioned here today, or if you have some that you want to try out. I will be talking about this episode and talking about active learning on my Instagram account. And so there'll be a dedicated post I said Instagram, I mean LinkedIn. I'll do it both places, Instagram and LinkedIn. There will be a dedicated post on LinkedIn asking about active learning, if you tried it, if there's things you want to try. And I would love if you would go there and comment and share what active learning techniques have you tried in your class? What active learning techniques do you want to try? What makes you nervous about doing this? I would love to just start a, a discussion and then we can continue the conversation on another episode of the podcast. So I will leave links for my social media on LinkedIn. I'm just Toyin Ali or Dr. Toyin Ali. You can find me there on Instagram. Dr. Toy and Ali, and also on YouTube, Dr. Toy and Ali. So if you're listening to this episode, there is also a video version of this episode on YouTube. Okay. All right. So implementing active learning can be tricky to do in the middle of the semester. You can do it, but it can be a little difficult to get students to buy into this whole active learning thing if the whole class has been presented a different way for weeks, right? So if you know beforehand that you wanna implement some active learning techniques in your class or active learning strategies in your classes, I would say it's best to start on the first day of class. I like to do something active on the first day 
so the students can realize, oh, this is what this class is about. It kind of helps sets their expectations. It lets them know, oh, this is what I'm, I need to be prepared to do in the class every day. I need to come ready to learn. And so I have a lot of different activities and strategies and things that I do on the first day of class that implement active learning, that kind of break the ice, get the students excited about learning from me, and I will be sharing all of those things in a future episode of the podcast. So I would love it if you would subscribe or follow the podcast so that you can get notifications when the next episode is uploaded. All right, like I wanted, like I mentioned earlier, this episode is brought to you by my Independent Professor Workshop. So since 2017, I have been running my own self-hosted learning experiences for graduate students, elective learners, for professors interested in starting their own businesses. And it has been an amazing experience for me. I've been able to connect with so many more people and help so many people on a daily basis. So even just beyond the students in my classes, beyond the grad students and new faculty that I mentor, I'm able to expand my reach, expand my impact and help even more people. And it becomes a very fulfilling experience and it adds an additional uh, stream of income to my lifestyle. And that is also very helpful. So I am hosting live workshops this semester called the Independent Professor Workshop. It's a big one. It's a four hour workshop with a lunch break in between. And after the workshop, you will have a solidified topic for your own self-hosted learning experience. You will have a design for your self-hosted learning experience. So how you actually want to host it, how you want to share the knowledge um, that you have, because, you know, us as academics, we have so much knowledge and expertise that we likely are not using, and there's not really any room in our university curriculum to share. So for me, I teach graduate students about time management and productivity. And this is something grad students really, really need, but there isn't really space for me to teach that in my university with the position that I have. So I do that independently. So with the workshop, I teach you how to create your own self-hosted learning experience, how to design it, how to get feedback from it, and how to set up your own academic personal brand. So you can find information about this workshop in the description of this video or in the show notes of this episode, or you can go to my website, drtoyanali.com forward slash independent to learn more. Thank you so much for listening to this very first episode of the Good Teaching Podcast or watching it on YouTube. If you are enjoying this content and you're looking forward to hearing more, looking forward to the interviews from other professors and learning about becoming an independent professor, definitely subscribe, follow the podcast. But I would also love it if you would share it with any professor friends that you have that you think would be interested in this content. Thank you so much for watching and happy teaching. And also thank you for listening as well. Happy teaching until next time.